My racing career isn't just about me. It's about the team, the fans, the sponsors, the families, the tracks, the whole sport. Join us over the next five months on the Junior Nation Appreciation Tour, where we show appreciation to where it's owed. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Thanks to Hopeless Records for providing today's theme song, The Permanent Rain by The Dangerous Summer. All right, Tyler, uh, let's get right to it, man. This is a Watkins Glen race. Wasn't very, uh, wasn't a very good weekend for us at all. It was pretty forgettable, yes. Okay, well, let's forget about it. The um, car was really off right off the truck. Had a lot of trouble with uh, getting speed in practice. That's been a track where we've ran in the top 10 in practice and seemed to qualify well. Last couple of years, the road course have been pretty strong for us. So I was surprised, really floored, actually, that the car was uh, as bad as it was when we got there. We tried to work on it, tried to fix some problems, couldn't really uh, nail exactly what was going on and get the car to drive properly. But anyhow, we started the race, and I don't know where we were running, maybe 25th, 27th or something like that. I thought we had enough, you know, speed to run just barely in the top 20. That's about it. Uh, looking at, a, you know, the finishing order, we might have been able to look out of some strategy and get a better better finishing position than that. But looking at some of the guys and where they finished, I think that we had no better than a 20th place car. Uh, the whole company really um, struggled somewhat. The 24 had some good fast times at, at, at parts of the weekend. But uh, I don't think he was very happy with his car either, talking to Chase. So I'm not quite sure. I think, you know, the with the repave at Watkins Glen and the new tire, what works and what you might use at both racetracks, both Sonoma and the Glen, isn't going to work anymore. You really have to have two completely different approaches uh, with the setup, and we certainly learned that. It slapped us right in the face. And... All right, you know, so the car's not great. I'm out there, we're running, we're kind of coming toward the end of the first stage, and uh, we had a little strategy uh, that we were working on to pit early. Um, and uh, then we lost some power in the motor. I didn't know exactly what it was. I thought maybe possibly it had a battery going down or there was some fuel issue in the pickup going up the hill through the S's. It was cutting out pretty bad. Sometimes when you're going up a hill or in lateral load, it might be a fuel issue if it starts to spit in those situations. Um, so we ended up coming to uh, pit road. They lift the hood. They look under the hood, and there's the valve. Uh, the valve cover has a hole in it from where the push rod got sh- uh, pushed up through the valve cover. When the rocker with the uh, valve spring breaks, the rocker arm gets kicked around and off, and the lifter hits the a push rod and knocks it into the valve cover over and over and over until it hit knocks a hole in it and eventually the the push rod will become stuck and lodged into the into the valve cover so that's that's what they saw it's not something they can repair they could you know put a valve spring on there send us back out but there's parts and pieces in the motor now that's going to probably spin the bearings and tear the motor up worse for them to be able to diagnose what went wrong they need to take that back as it is and so that's why we didn't make an effort to finish we probably could have tried to get back out there and compete for some more laps but uh not that it would have gained us much on the track but i think larson had a similar deal saturday and like they kept running and eventually it just blew the motor yeah and then they can't they can't really look at that and see what happened first you know and, and and diagnose the issue to 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 keep it from happening again but it was a similar issue it's it's something to do with that batch of springs, and I've seen this before. Or we've seen we I've had this come through uh, DI and 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 you know it's just like a it's like a it's like a cold that kind of floats through the shop and you don't uh, you can't fix it until you understand what batch of springs to get rid of 
and uh, it can be quite costly, actually. So hopefully it's not too serious of an issue to fix. It doesn't really put the company in a bind, but I know those guys in the shop are going to get that sorted out, and we won't have that problem going forward. So, yeah, that was pretty much our race. Yeah, that was um, it. The rest of the race, um, something that people were talking about, it was the shortest full-distance NASCAR Cup Series race that ran in its entirety. Two hours and seven minutes to run a cup race. I know. I thought it went by so fast. And I don't think that anybody – I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I don't think that it, anybody walked away from going, hmm, I feel like I want to see some more racing. Yeah. Um, or, wow, you know, why is the race so short? It was, there was drama, you know, as it came down to the end. I know we weren't able to watch the race, but we're in the plane flying home with Wi-Fi, able to follow along on social media, and it was drama, sort of trying to figure out who was going to make it and who wasn't. Yeah. I was, you know, even though I wasn't watching the race, I was entertained by what was happening. From what I was reading initially, I was like, oh, Truex is going to run out, Kozlowski's going to run out, and I was like, oh, it appeared Blaney, from what we were reading on Twitter, it looked like, oh, Blaney's going to win. Yeah, and I talked to Blaney, and he felt the same way. He felt like with the information he was getting from his team that he was more confident in his ability to get to the end without having to pit for fuel. Um, but they had miscalculated a bit on their on how much they really had. Uh, so it was uh, it was interesting. Uh, you know, su- I guess a lot of people may be surprised that Martin made it, but he did the right thing as far as trying to understand how much to save, and he was very extreme on his measures to save. Um, and I know that stung for Matt Kenseth to come up short, needing a win, needing to establish himself into the chase. Uh, and to come up uh, with a second had to be very frustrating. And uh, we were hard on NASCAR whenever they were throwing the mystery debris caution. So kudos to NASCAR. This is recently since all the uh, hoopla about debris yeah. cautions. They've been letting these races play out. Right. So kudos to them for letting them race normal absolutely i mean i've seen and i've seen this in the past you know there'll be a race where it seems like there's a lot of debris yellows there'll be a lot of blow up about it in the media or from the fans or even from the drivers like myself nascar will uh i don't know if they're reacting or not or intentionally not reacting but then there'll be a string of races that sort of don't have any debris yellows and everybody's happy again uh until we'll go to somewhere like dover and have a long, boring race uh, that people didn't like, that didn't have enough yellows. And then you start to see those debris cautions come back, particularly in the chase when there's a lot on the line drama. for the sport. Yeah. There needs, you know, when there's needs to be drama, you better believe that there's going to be some drama. Yeah. But so kudos right now. Yeah, kudos keep keep it up. <laughs> Another thing that came up over the weekend where you – had some i don't think they were strong comments i think maybe they're enlightening comments about driver salaries and the current silly season right because obviously there's a couple high profile drivers looking for rides yeah. which we expect them to find rides yeah, quality I was trying rides. To, yeah i was trying to explain uh sort of the where the where the where the business is and where the you know why we're seeing the, the things happen that we're seeing and uh you know, yeah, I didn't think it, I was saying anything that wasn't true and I uh, thought I gave correct answers to the questions that I got asked in the media center. Um, the narrative, I think, that, that's what great about that's what's great about doing the podcast is we can, you know, it's here, it's audio, you hear me, you can't take that out of context, right? Yeah. And I feel like at some points in that discussion since then that some of my, my, some of my comments or statements were a bit out of context. Um, I think one of the narratives that that has came out of it is that I thought that veteran drivers were overpaid, and that's not something I ever said. I I, I said that um, I think that I might have been overpaid, you know. And right. what I mean by that is when um, when I got my first contract from Rick, he I didn't even I wouldn't I refused to look at the base salary numbers and all the percentages. I didn't want to know any of that stuff. Uh, because I, I've always, I've not, you know, I've had a hard time in my life sort of feeling worthy of things and, and worthy of moments and, and accomplishments and appreciation. So that was another, that was a situation where I was like, you and Kelly handle that. I don't want to even know what it is. It's going to stick in my head. Um, so I've always felt overappreciated, I guess, or, or, or whatever you want to, you want to, whatever you want to call that. But, um, 
I was blown. I've been blown away, I guess, by um, my what this, what kind of you know, what what I've made, what kind of lifestyle this has provided for me. Um, it's more than I ever dreamed, right? So, um, but in a healthy situation, a sta- an established team, uh, major corporate sponsorship support, manufacturing support. Um, that more than likely is going to give any driver for that team more leverage. Right. It's a trickle down effect. Yeah. To obtain the type of deal that they want. And I think that that's still achievable. I'm not, I never meant to say that or never meant to imply that everybody's got to understand that this is scaling back because there are teams out there that are still able to secure that type of sponsorship um, and haven't seen a decline and funding and those teams can afford to pay drivers x amount of money and those drivers uh you know have every right to get what they feel is their worth which is no different than any other sport like a guy coming into we'll just use steph curry as an example when he played when he signed his rookie contract there's no way it was five five years 200 million or whatever his contract is now right he earned his up in salary right of course which is why a veteran would be inclined to make more money yeah and expect to make more money right but the first deciding factor on how much a driver is going to make really is how much funding that team has and if that team has a healthy package of sponsorship and manufacturer support then that driver has a better opportunity to to get a really good deal before we got to Watkins Glen we obviously had the would you call it huge car unveil for Homestead Yeah, I was really, uh, I I had a great time. We brought back this show that we used to do all the time on QVC called For Race Fans Only. It ran for 17 years every week, I believe, on QVC. Me and my father were on it quite a bit, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was weird and kind of awkward at times back in the day because you might be on there actually talking about your career but selling someone else's souvenir uh, because it was a show that sold everything throughout the sport not just your cars and your diecast of course there was going to be some features with you being there on your own stuff but you might be talking about a a, you might be talking about a throw rug and they'll have all the drivers throw rugs out there not just yours a nice ricky stenhouse (laughs) so that i and i hope they bring the show back we had a great night they qvc was thrilled they had a lot of sales and i think that that would be great for the drivers the drivers really feel like that the the souvenir business is not meeting expectations there's been some adjustments there with the haulers coming back a show like for race fans only with that the drivers could be a part of would be a a big boost for the the souvenir industry and i think the fans enjoy the show plus it gives them the opportunity like the people calling in how often are they going to get to ask you a question and they're they're engaging with the show and purchasing something getting to talk Core to you. fans yeah. yeah so it's actually really cool i hope that they'll bring it back i mean it doesn't necessarily need to be an hour maybe it's 30 minutes or something like that well, they gotta make they gotta be able to make it worthwhile for right. themselves so we'll see what happens but yeah definitely it's great to bring it back out of the moth balls and yeah and as it. soon as we posted it on facebook and twitter people were like hell yeah I, yeah I love that show right well they um yeah, they might bring it back. I will. I will be anxious to see. A lot of everything I read about the car was very positive. Sure. Yeah, and I anticipated it. <laughs> I didn't think anybody was going to be like, "Boo, bad choice." Um, I anticipated it to be a great reaction, and I was certainly one that was going to enjoy it. And you know, Mike Davis was telling me about him putting it on his Facebook page, and all the guys from that team being able to, rat, uh, you know, share their. Uh, reaction through that and and knowing that that's it you know impacting them in a positive way is awesome because that's what it's about you want the fans to enjoy this the people that had involvement in that car uh in that career you know in the career you know you want everybody to have some involvement and some enjoyment out of it so i think that we're going to accomplish that running that car i can't wait to to run it i i'm not in no hurry to get the season over with you know i'm really looking forward to the next few races and going to each track and, and having some fun driving the car but homestead is going to be incredible now even more so with this with this paint scheme 
And then people again brought up the uh, the bleached hair. Yeah, I don't think that Amy even wants it to happen. I don't really want to do that. And I guess if Amy was to persuade me, I'd probably do it. But she, uh, me and her both are sort of on team no highlights. Oh, but you will have uh, the fire suit that looks just like it. We didn't show that off the other night, but That's the fire right. suit is going to be like that. Yeah, we didn't take advantage of the opportunity we had to do that. We, me and you both had the fire suit in our hands, and uh, it looks like the old original fire suit, except for the Exalted logos, obviously, but uh, very cool to be able to put those colors on one more time. And another thing that happened last week was you were tweeting and Instagramming from your bow fishing adventure oh, yeah. with Carrie and uh, Jeffrey which I had no idea what bow fishing was. I didn't either. Oh, I mean, I imagine I, I knew, you know, I kind of in theory had a theory or an idea or what to expect. But yeah, so my um, my brother is all the time trying to talk me into going and doing activities with him that he likes, right? So it'll be uh, elk hunting, which was great. I did enjoy that. Uh, and so he's like, let's go bow fishing got to go bow fishing in the middle of the night now i know you don't have to do it at night but that's when he wanted to go late in the evening so we uh i'm thinking all right what's you know my amy's like go you never spend any time with him she's she's persuaded me to to go ahead and and uh i said well let's get jeffrey to go too my nephew because i don't get to spend much time with him even though we race together jeffrey came over to the house picked me up we rode over to the boat ramp met carrie got the boat in the water um jeffrey bought a long extra bow for me so these bows are just like compound bows that we use to hunt deer except for they have a reel on them like an old rod and reel like the encased reel that you would use as a kid that has a little lever you push to cast it has that kind of a real basic reel on it that reel has a line obviously tied to the arrow you put the arrow in the bow all right you release the reel and you wait and you just pull it back with your hand there's no release like we use in bow hunting for for deer either it's really simple you pull it's not a hard bow to pull back it's very easy the arrow is only going to go 10 feet but uh you know you're, you're trolling around we were trolling in like foot to a foot and a half two foot three foot four foot deep water we could see the bottom really easy looking for carp and bottom feeders and stuff like that gar fish and uh Jeffrey shot and hit one, and so it's right out of the gate. He, uh, he's he got this big old carp, right? And I'm thinking, man, that's cool. So I'm trying to see one, and, and we're trolling around along about eight mile an hour. I'm thinking it's too fast, but Carrie says you got to go quick kind of with the troller because they're busting out of this, you know, wherever they're at. They'll be gone before you get there if you're not in a hurry. Uh, but it doesn't give you much time right. to shoot. You know, they're kind of almost – past you or under the boat before you realize you know before you can get the thing drawn back so you don't have much there's no aim or there's no sight on the bow so you're just kind of shooting from the hip really there's no you know you don't look down a barrel or anything there's no way to really target the fish other you're just shooting its direction that's pretty much how it happens so i'm over the course of the evening i might have shot 12 times and missed every single time oh so you didn't get one no oh oh no um, it's really hard. Yeah, it seems very hard. So, but the first, the first five minutes, Jeffrey shoots one, and uh, he's a big time outdoorsman. No surprise. We get back. We're going back in this cove. Carrie's got this kind of a rough. He's got a rough troller motor, being banged up a little bit. He runs the damn thing into the ground and knocks the head off of it. So. He pulls it up. He's like, oh, I just got to put a screw in there. We'll be fine. He uh, He's trying to get this you know, screw ran into this thing. And uh, Jeffrey had to get over there because he's got a little more muscle than Kerry uh, to get the job done. We get this thing put back together, and now it won't. it's not running. So somehow or another, might have got water in it or whatever and ruined it. Uh, so we sit there for 15, 20 minutes trying to fix this thing. I mean, we ain't been in there in the water for – 15 minutes and this has happened we had to run over six miles to another buddy's house borrow his trolling motor to finish the night but i know it didn't go like my brother hoped it went uh and it was i know he was a little bit embarrassed but i promised him that we would uh we'd go again as soon as he gets back in town how long do you spend t doing this you can we went out and got in the water around nine ten o'clock and and carry you know you can you can be out there all night four in the morning 
Is yeah. There, are there other people out there? There's other boats. There's other people fishing. It's not that many. Maybe a couple here and there. There's people that fish in the middle of the night. Uh, but this time of year, the water's real warm, so the fish are the fish are real low. The fish, you know, the fish aren't going to be in this shallow water near the edges of these. Uh, these islands and so forth they're going to be out in the deep water low where the water's colder so we need to go some other time of year when the when the temperature in the water goes down a little bit so they'll move out toward the edge you know or toward the banks a little bit it sounds like an interesting hobby that i don't know that i want any part of well i would google a little bit you know it's i, I saw the one video it's, you it's posted. really laid back it's great if you're with friends or family yeah you know it's an opportunity for me and carrie and jeffrey to spend time together that we don't never do we don't never, none of us take initiative to do that. Um, and it's here. It's right here. We just go down the road and do it. So it's not like we got to make big plans. You don't have to take anything with you. You can do it on a whim. You can do it on a whim. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. We had a couple beers and, and you know, joked with each other and pick on each other a little bit. Now that we've talked about Jeffrey, people are going to ask you to put Jeffrey in the car again. I know. It's coming. But, oh well. Yep. And today... This is going to be the fun part of this podcast, or oh, the most fun part. Yeah, the most fun. We ju- literally just got back. We were in Richmond all day um, promoting the upcoming races. You're running Xfinity yep. and Cup, and then we had the Washington Redskins intertwined. I'll let you tell all the story okay. about everything we did. All right, so I'm a big Redskins fan. I've been a big Redskins fan since 1982. Anytime I get an opportunity to do anything Redskins related, I'm excited. I've been to training camp before, been a few games. Met some players along the line. It's been great. Um, several players have came to the races from time to time. So that's that's an experience that I ne- you know always enjoy. It's rare that we actually get to intertwine and wire together NASCAR and the Redskins or my job and their job. So today was a perfect example of being able to do that. We um, had to do a winter circle appearance for Richmond where we go to the racetrack and promote the event coming up in September. We're going to race the Xfinity car on September the 8th and race the cup car on September the 9th. Richmond Raceway would love for you to go to their website and buy tickets. Uh, but we, all the drivers are sent to these racetracks throughout the year to promote these events. And this is one of mine, one of the winter circles I was assigned to. So we got ahead of this and started talking to the track and said, let's try to figure out how to incorporate the Redskins training camp and everything that's going on around the Richmond area into this winter circle, get a big buzz. And we had a race car at the track, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, but we had a race car at the track to take some of the drivers around for a few laps. I mean, uh, some of the players. So we had Kirk Cousins show up. We had Josh Norman, um, we had Compton, Will Compton, one of the inside linebackers. Morgan Moses came, and Ryan Kerrigan. We invited a handful of other guys, about 12, 10 or 12 players, yep. but those are the ones that ended up getting, a, getting it, being able to show up. Uh, we took the mayor of Richmond around the racetrack in the race car for about five laps and started getting really, really loose. So we came to the pits. I was like, hey, give, me the, give me the wedge wrench. I'm going to put some wedge in this car. This guy I know, it's a bunch of people there, right? So there's people all around. But luckily, there was a guy there that I've raced with before, and he was like, hey, there's a bunch of uh, grease underneath this thing. It's leaking out the rear end housing. So that's why it was getting loose, all this grease coming out of the rear end housing, getting all over the rear tire. So we got into a Chevy Camaro to give the football players laps around the track. Now, we ran about 90 through the corner and 115 going down the straightaway. There, yeah, I, from watching fast. from here road, you couldn't tell much of a difference going there down the straightaway. A, yeah, the Camaro probably went about 15 mile an hour slower yeah. down the straightaway. Probably similar in the corner speed-wise. Probably 5, maybe 10 mile an hour difference in the corner slower in the, in the Chevy Camaro. Uh, so I didn't get to take the NFL guys in the race car like I'd hoped because we were fixing this uh, rear end housing that had a line left loose. We ended up taking the guys around. Everybody got to do it. Josh Norman's turn comes up, and they got the race car fixed. So I got to take Josh Norman in the race car and in the Camaro, and he couldn't believe the difference between the two. He said it was a huge difference between the experience in the race car and the Chevy Camaro. Oh. For, he said so, yeah. Positive for the race car? Yeah, yeah. Like the It was yeah. not even anything like the race car. So, But that was great for me to be able to show them a little bit about what we do. And it gave me an opportunity to meet them. I'm, I geek out when I get around to show, uh, the Redskins guys. It's I, weird because I'm around you so much. So I'm like, ah, oh, there's Dale. But like when these guys who we see on TV 
when they geek out meeting you is weird to me. Is it? Because I like you're just oh well, you're Dale that yeah. I see every day every week, and those guys are like oh man it's like you put them on a pedestal. Whereas they everybody's standing put, around putting each other on pedestals. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like it's hard to fathom. Like uh, you lose sight of the popularity, I guess. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I feel as normal as hell. So it, it's weird for me when they are excited to meet me. Cause, but I'm I'm equally as uh, as excited about meeting them. Um, after we got done with the racetrack, we did a ton of media. Once we got done with the with the rides rides with the football players, they ran back over to to training camp to get ready uh, to do their work. We had a lot of media to do for the racetrack, and um, hopefully that stuff's going to have a good impact on on their uh, ticket sales. We ended up uh, wrapping up over there and going to training camp. So they said they had something in store for me. Well, I wasn't really sure exactly what that was going to be and heard a bunch of rumors. Um, we got to watch them uh, do some work on the field, the whole teams out there getting ready for their preseason game coming up. That was really in, in entertaining and, and informative. I got to talk to Doug Williams, um, Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Skins, uh, Joe Jacoby as well, who's an offensive lineman that was a um, big uh, had a big impact on the team in the '80s. So I get to stand there and talk to those guys. They're asking me questions. I'm asking them questions. That was a real thrill. And then as soon as they broke up uh, their their training uh, the practice session that they had. Kurt's like, hey, I want to introduce you to some of the players. So Kurt takes me around and uh, introduced me to some of the uh, individuals that, you know, there's the guys just wandering around, you know, signing autographs, all these kids running out onto the field, they're signing autographs for them. So Kurt was uh, nice enough to introduce me to some of the players, and I introduced myself to a few of the guys myself uh, when I had the time. We went over to this little snow cone stand that Josh Norman had brought to the facility for all the kids, and we handed out snow cones for about 30 minutes. And finally – Kirk's like, come on, man, I'm going to throw you a couple passes. You're going to run a route, I'm going to throw a pass. On our way over to the field to do this, I saw Josh Norman laying on the ground doing some exercises. I said, Josh, you want to get some of this? I'm going over here to run some routes. He said, oh, yeah, you want me to? I said, yeah, of course. And so he comes over, and uh, it was a trip. I know they were just – they dialed it way back so we could have a little fun. Uh, but throwing throw, – having Kirk – throw the ball and catch a couple passes and joking and laughing. Me and, jo- me and Josh are just laughing the whole time. We're running around out there um, giggling and carrying on. It's like being on a schoolyard with your buddies. Um, for a Redskins fan, it's like heaven. Yeah, last really week was. we talked about like when what you would want to be if you could be somebody for a day. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'd want to be a football player. That's what we got to do today. Do for a I couple know plays. That's pretty crazy. I couldn't believe it, and all that video and stuff's all over social media, so everybody can get on there and critique uh, my my uh, roots and my lack of speed. But I think that's why I did so well. I caught two of the three passes, and I think the reason why I caught the two that I did is because Norman wasn't expecting to be as slow as I was. To be as fast as you were? No. Quick. He thought I would. I'm, I was pretty slow. I mean, you you saw the tape. I saw, I, yeah, I have it on my phone. Yeah. So, um, but it was, it was great, man. He, he was, they were all great sports, really good, genuine, kind people. They, you know, the whole staff, all the players, all the fans we got to meet out there. It was a great experience. I didn't want to leave, you know. I, I, I was talking to you about that. You go to the football games as a Panthers fan, and when you get in the stadium with all those people that are thinking the same thing you are and pulling for the team and y'all all have something in common, that feeling is 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 rare you know you are you're hardly in situations in life where this there's that much camaraderie and and like-mindedness so uh to be at redskins park today i didn't want to leave i wanted to just i wanted just uh talk to all the fans about their how we're going to do this year and who's your favorite player and just it's just great to be around people that uh, all have the same opinion about something as you as a Panthers fan, it was bittersweet I being bet. around Josh Norman all day. I bet it was really a pain in your butt when he handed me his gloves because I know, you know, being, I offered you to hold him and you. Well, I thought you wouldn't give him back. Oh no, being a, I'm st- I know you're still a Josh Norman fan. Oh, I, I like Josh. Right. He's cool. So, I don't know unless you're an Odell Beckham fan. I don't know how you can't be a Josh Norman yeah. fan because obviously they have their issues. But he's super nice, and he was. 
in person, he was exactly what he is on TV. Sure. Which is, it's rare because like you think, oh, they're putting on a facade. Yeah. That was, that's who he is oh, yeah, all the time, you. which is super cool. Um, and thanks to everyone at Richmond Raceway and the Redskins, they took care of us all day. Yeah. And it was a, I won't say once in a lifetime experience because we're trying to go back. Yeah. I know. I hope to go back next year. Um, hope to get the opportunity to continue to be around that team and, and around the fans of that team. And, you know, it's just, it's really enjoyable. We don't get to do that too much with our schedule and we're racing during the season, during the NFL season, but, um, it was a real thrill today. All right, let's get to the Ask Junior questions. Uh, we'll start right off with Jay Wall here. Have you seen the new Chevy for 2018, and what's your opinion? I haven't seen it. I haven't either. Yeah. I don't even know what car it is. I wouldn't know where to go to see it. I mean, this is a secret thing. Yeah, we're going to see it Thursday. Yeah. But I have And then we'll, we'll think we'll have an opinion, I'm sure, right off the bat. Right. And uh, we'll share I it. hope that it's, you know, looks like a cool car. I hope that it's cool looking. Uh, but on top of that, I think what more importantly, I hope that it's badass aerodynamically. Right, which is you the know? main thing. Yes. All right. Uh, JL Mahan asks, why wipers with no rain in the forecast Sunday? Okay, so let's, let's go ahead and be uh, honest about that. The wipers add a little downforce. Yeah. I mean, they, everybody did it. Yeah. I mean, it. you know, we saw the Gibbs guys doing it, and everybody said, why are they running those in Sonoma? when it rains what, four times out of the year. Uh, so, yeah, don't be surprised if you're, uh, you know, you start seeing wipers everywhere. I don't know. Would they would they be against, be against the rules at Michigan? Yeah, you can't wear You oh. cannot run a wiper there. Really? Because there's no prospect of running the race in the rain. Oh. Just like you have a... You're only allowed to have wipers at the road courses. Yeah, because you I have a rain tire. I NASCAR will... Well, I don't know. Is, is that a... I don't know if that's a rule. I'm assuming that's well, a rule. Well, you know, you know that if there is rain in the forecast, that NASCAR is likely to stop the race and allow all the teams to change tires. Yeah. At once. They, they when the when the Xfinity Series had rain in their races, weren't didn't they pause the race and allow everyone to pit for tires? Yeah, they throw a caution. Right. They throw a caution, allow everybody to get their tires. So there's no real strategy with the teams as far as. Do we want to change now? Do we want to stay on slicks? Yeah. Not like you see in sports car. So maybe NASCAR comes in and says, no more windshield wipers. You can put them on when you if you need the tire. Which that was the way it was back in the day. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's easy to get this thing on and off. Right. It's not hard to put the windshield wiper on the car. So maybe they say, you know, you can't put that on unless you have rain tires on your car. Yeah. I mean, how significant of an advantage do you think it is? It, it probably doesn't matter. I I mean, I probably would not know the difference as a driver whether I had that much little that little additional downforce. And is it really giving you that downforce or is that just something you see only in the wind tunnel cuz just make you feel sometimes like sometimes you... things that you see in the wind tunnel don't go to the racetrack and don't happen when you're out there on the track. So Is it a distraction? It is not a distraction. Okay. Yeah. Cuz I wonder cuz it's just a God, sitting you, there. Yeah. It, you would think it would be, but it's not. Oh, this guy's name. E-Global Racing. E-Global. Yeah. There you go. Man, that, you did great with that. As a driver, do you enjoy fuel mileage racing like we saw at the end of Sunday's race? I do. I enjoy it even more, I think, as a fan. Yeah. But do, do you, is it kind of a buzzkill that Truex won? No. Well, because we he's expect- got, I mean, he's the points leader and he's got... We didn't expect him to make it. I know, but would it not be cooler if Suarez would have won? No. Kind of mixed it up like Austin Dillon winning the no. 600 this year? Oh. Wouldn't have been cooler for me. I mean, I like Suarez, but uh, I'm better friends with Truex, so I was pretty excited about him win. Yeah. I mean, I like Truex, yeah. but you just I, I didn't say, I didn't mean to imply you weren't, you know, you didn't like him, but I like fuel mileage races just, I know I don't want one every single week. Right. Yeah. I don't want that to be what we end up with every race, but it's cool that, you know, races end in different manners you know sometimes there's a late yellow with a green white checker then you'll have a race that a guy laps the field and then you'll have a fuel mileage finish and i just like that uh i, li- I guess i like different flavors how stressful is that to- oh it's real stressful as a driver 
Like whenever you're having to like cut it off and cut it back on. Well, it's not really that. You just don't know whether you're going to make it. Yeah. The process of driving the car and saving the fuel is easy. It's actually easier than driving the car at a normal rate. You know, you get to go slower. You don't have to try. Uh, you just have to get around the track. And, and But the only thing you're worried about is, well, I got to save, but I'm saving to win. I don't want to let this guy who's also saving win. So I got to race hard enough to stay in front of him. It's very nerve-wracking and uh, trying to figure out whether this is going to work out in your favor or not. And when, when you run out short, oh, the anger. It is so it makes you so mad. Like that six hundred. Oh yeah. yeah. I remember being I worked at JRM, but it's for such some a reason kick in the gut. Yeah, I I was in the stands and I think I spiked my radio because oh. I was like, damn it, yep. so close. All right, H C A T Z one two three. It's H Cats. H Cats one two three. How big of a change do you think NASCAR is going through with all the changes and new drivers coming in? Is this unprecedented in your opinion? You know, I, that's that's a good uh, question. There are a lot of young guys coming in. Typically, you know, if you look at the rookie battle over the last probably two decades, it's been pretty uh, pretty rare that we have a interesting rookie battle, yeah. right? There's usually a lot of times one or two guys in it, and there's like a guy that's a clear winner. Yeah. Uh, no real challenge. Like last year, I think Chase pretty much walked away with it. Yeah. So it's interesting that all these young guys are coming in all at once. That's rare. Unprecedented, probably not. I think it's great for the sport. We need all kinds of young personalities to come in and attract these younger demographic fans. I think that it's hard for a 20, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old to relate to me or anybody in my generation. So we need, we need NASCAR and Chase, guys like Chase, uh, to promote hard to get themselves out there and let people get to know who they are so they can they can sort of, you know, it's that impression, that first impression, meeting these people one-on-one somewhere that makes them a fan for life. Right. You know, so there's a lot of legwork for this young generation to do to, to get that uh, younger demographic back into the sport. At Richard84188 asks, are you going to do any hunting with your extra time, with the extra time you have on your hands next year? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to have extra time. Right. Particularly at that part of the season, I might have less time. I think, yeah, because we were looking at it, and I was talking to Latart just about kind of how schedules work, and it sounds like you're going to be just as busy, if not more. Yeah. But I think the thing is, you'll still be busy, you'll just, it'll be less stressful. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely uh, not going to be putting up with the stresses of, of, you know, the, the pressure of driving the car, but... There will be some nerves going into the booth for the first several times and maybe the first whole year. But I'm race, I'm going to be in the work in the booth the second half of the season, right in the middle of deer season. There's a lot of work during the week that I think people are unaware of that we'll certainly be sharing with as we go through that process on our social media platforms so people can see, you know, exactly what kind of preparation goes into the work you do on the weekend. Talking to Steve, there's a lot going on, a lot of call-ins, meetings, discussions obviously there's uh the weekly show nascar america um, yeah and so we'll be doing that some it's it, there's no telling what other uh what other requests that nbc is going to have for our time and and i'm working for them and going to have to fulfill you know their expectations it's not going to be like uh it's not going to be as casual i think as driving a race car as a driver you do take advantage of the leniency and liberties that you have, uh, the freedom that you have. And, uh, you know, I've always went by this. It's probably not the best attitude, but I always went by this saying that they can't start without you. If we're running late, so what? Well, that's got to go out the window. I've got to change my entire approach to this and be on time, be ready, be prepared, uh, be ready to apply myself. I always live by this. If you're, Early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. I like if you're, it. If you're late, Damn. that is When you going to start doing that, like work, living that? What I know you you've been... I'm be- always I you, early. I know you believe it, but I'm always you got to apply that when have I been to late? your life. When you can't I, just be passing this around in advice. When have I been late? Just giving this out. I'm usually on time. You need to be applying this yourself. I apply it. Okay. At James Groff asks, do you think it is still possible for lower tiered 
for a lower tier driver with great talent to make it into a higher series? For instance, somebody like John Hunter Nemechek. Yeah, and I like this question because John Hunter Nemechek actually responded on Twitter to the question himself, and as an uh, with an affirmative answer that he believes you can. I think that uh, Alex Bowman's an example of that. So I think that uh, Kyle Larson is an example of that. There's a lot of guys. I mean, it really helps. Trust me, if you have talent and sponsorship, right? It's a freaking awesome package for an owner. Um, but if you obviously, if you don't have support from a corporate sponsor, it does make it a much more challenging road. Josh Berry, who we talked about last week, yeah. is a perfect example. There's a few guys that'll get that opportunity, and there's a lot that won't you know but it's not really i mean there's only so many cars too there are only so many cars but i mean in 19 in the 1980s you ran on a 500 to a million dollar budget you know cars you know cars are cars are needing there's so much more money needed to fund a team and obviously if the driver can bring some of that it really assists them opportunity for him to get that chance in that car it just makes it easier to you know to 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 want to work with that guy who has some funding additional funding that comes with the package it's uh it's hard for an owner to turn that down and like you say josh is a perfect example i would put josh in a bush car xfinity car tomorrow if i could find a sponsorship willing to work with josh and willing to work with us on that but we can't you know we haven't had that luck to find one i can't afford to run him out of my own pocket I go broke, right? You know, we would go broke quickly. So that's that's no way to run a race team. You can't run a race team out of your own pocket. You have to make it a profitable business. At least you know you have to at least aim to break even with the with the expectation to do so. That kind of topic sort of leads us into the last two questions. At Devin Aaron's asks, "What is the cost difference between running a high end Xfinity team like JRM versus running a high end Cup team like Hendrick?" Um, at Junior Motorsports, one car. Needs about six million dollars a season. Your uh, engine bill is uh, around a million, a little bit over a million dollars, and so that's a big chunk of the of the expense. I think between your crew chief and your driver, that's going to be another big chunk. I mean, you run, you get, you 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 don't have a whole lot of money really for operation costs. Right. Once it's said and done, to get to and from the racetrack is anywhere between. 125 to $250,000 a weekend, you know, at some of these racetracks. So it's a, uh, you know, we can go to some of these shows and obviously operate on a much tighter budget, but it's a real, real challenge to do that. So around $6 million is a reasonable amount of money to go run up front in the Xfinity series to race. Uh, and I, I can't say that I know this number precisely on the cup side, not as well as I do being an owner in the Xfinity series, but I would think that, to run competitively uh, on the cup level, you need twenty million dollars. It's it you know thirty is better, obviously, yeah, and probably a little more comfortable. But I think you you can do it on twenty to run up front. Now, I mean, there's teams that are doing this and having good results with a lot less. Now. You know, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about how do you run like junior motorsports or a cup team like HMS. Well, that's that's going to be big numbers. Right. And then that also leads us to McElroy66 asks, what's your thoughts on a salary cap for teams and would it work? I don't know. You know, I don't know if that'd work or not. I think it would be near impossible to police. Right. That's the only, you know, it'd be nearly impossible to police it. There would be so much under the table and shenanigans going on, right? Uh, that it, it's not like uh, it's not as easy, I think, as it is in stick and ball sports to sort of police that type of stuff. Because that you're you're just talking people's salaries. Yeah. This you're talking engine budgets and cars and all sorts of stuff and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So nearly impossible. But I know there was some discussion last week. The guy that's in on uh, part owner of Petty was saying that's what they should do so well if he has a plan and it's an you know if it's a great plan then i don't know you know i I don't i need to know you know what the plan is and how he would want to enforce all that right and what's the penalty for doing it 
Um, but all right, that's all the questions we got for this week. All right, appreciate you guys writing in. If you uh, if you wanted your if you want your question asked on this podcast going forward, just uh, write us at hashtag ask, ask junior and make the questions good. Yeah, make them good. Of course, we're going to pick the ones we like. And uh, typically, you know, you know, if it's not about racing, that's still okay. If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. Looking ahead Thursday, we got a 2018 Chevy Car Unveil event in Detroit, so we're going to show the world the scarf for 2018, the Chevy car. that we're And we're going to be part of the world. Yeah, because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it either, yeah. So we're going to see it for the first time, along with everybody else on Thursday. We'll be in Detroit to do that. Friday, practice and qualifying. Qualifying's at 5.05. Not 5, not 5.15. 5.05. Very specific. I know. I don't know why they do that. Why not just 5? So 5.05 Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network. Uh, Write us at... uh, Write us at hashtag 505 and let us know any other things that happen in your life at random times like that. You know, everybody goes to work from 9 to 5 and, yeah. you know, there's specific, you know, you get lunch at 1230 or 12, not 1214 or, or 1226. This will be one of those things where you don't want to be yeah, late. Let us, let, us, let us know if you have any things that happen to your, uh, in your uh, weekly activities that are odd timed events. So 505 is pretty rare. Saturday, we got two practices. Uh, we got the Xfinity race in mid-Ohio at 3.30. That's a better number, 3.30? It's, it's, yeah, reasonable. Yeah, better than 3.35. So we got a Xfinity race at mid-Ohio at 3.30 Eastern on NBC Sports Network. So we'll all be tuning into that. That's a great race to watch. This is the one where it poured rain last year. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I went to mid-Ohio a couple times. Did you? It wasn't my favorite track. Uh, no? Uh, no. Huh. You should go there one day. You never know. Cup might end up going there. I doubt it. Okay. Well, we got two practices to be able to dial in our our cup car there at uh, Michigan, so those will be important. I think hopefully one's the, at like eight thirty a.m. Yeah. Hopefully the um, weather's good for us to get our car, you know, give our car some opportunity to get get worked on because I'm I'm sure we're going to be wanting to find some speed. Sunday, the race is at three o'clock. Another nice time. Still late, but at least it's rounded up. Uh, three o'clock Eastern on NBC Sports Network. Did you see the comments by the uh, Watkins Glen, the Watkins Glen track promoter? Yeah, he was really he was very disappointed in the late start time. That's, that's a, I mean, I know a lot of people have complained about that, but that was the most aggressive aggressive complaint I've ever heard. Yeah, I, it seemed like people don't like the qualifying on the same day, which Xfinity has done it for yeah. the longest. And time. I don't know that NASCAR likes it a lot. I've heard some rumors that they, you know, there's possibility that they could they could change the qualifying to later Saturday and do practice and qualifying the same day. Um, but I was surprised to hear the promoter speak out yeah. and be honest. What if it was breath fresh air? How refreshing was that for you? Yeah, I, I was surprised. Yeah. But hey, if you don't speak up, then they Nobody's don't Nobody's ever going to know. Yeah. Yeah. So that was crazy. Um, he was very uh, supportive of moving the times forward. The, he had heard from fans that they weren't coming back because of how late it, it in the media – yeah, he, he he said he had fans say they're not coming back. Yeah, they had an awesome crowd over the weekend. They did. That was it was you know that was great to see. All the drivers could tell a big make you know tell a big difference in the crowd and and made comment of that. Uh, that's a great racetrack. I've also heard some secrets that uh, rumors that they might be experiencing with the idea of running the boot there. The boot and yeah, extending the the length of the lap, running using the boot section of the racetrack. I actually rode my bicycle around that Saturday. I think the racing in the boot would be fun. Would it? Yeah. I ran it on iRacing one time. Hard? And I went, well, see, I've always grown up watching NASCAR races there, so I'm accustomed to the NASCAR track. Yeah. So the turns caught me off guard. I wasn't prepared for... You just didn't... So want, I crashed. Oh, okay. Just a lot of crashing. Weren't. Also, on Sunday night, want to mention Cars That Made America will be debuting on History Channel. Okay. And you are the executive producer right. of this. So this is something that we got involved with recently. We did a lot of interviews for this particular show, and uh, I've seen the footage. It's very informative and uh, tells you a lot about how a lot of the big manufacturers got started, and their stories aren't exactly what you think. And it was ragtag, a little bit Wild West, and uh, 
some crazy times. Yeah, and this is like a reenactment, and it's very well done. Very well done. I was really, uh, really proud to be a part of it. Please tune in Sunday night. Yeah, on History Channel. All right. Well, that's a great show. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Tyler, thanks. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you guys next week. See ya. Dale Jr. Download and all Dirty Mo Radio podcasts are made possible by Exalta. You can subscribe to all eight programs on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all major podcasting outlets. As always, you can listen to Dirty Mo Radio podcasts on DaleJr.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo Radio. Also, check out the Dirty Mo Radio Facebook page. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. 